Welcome to In The Zone, guys. I'm your host, Garrison Roy, and today we have another podcaster on with us today, Ian Bach. From, uh, he has his, his own podcast called Bach Talk, like I mentioned before, and he's also the Director of Analytics at Archbishop Moeller in Cincinnati. So, Ian, go ahead and introduce yourself, man. Yeah, thanks, Garrison. So, um, pretty much we met up. I had Garrison on my podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I think it was kind of funny that we have very, um, overall like mutual friends, I would say. Yeah, yes. So, um, but yeah, like Garrison said, I'm the director of analytics, um, at Archbishop Moeller high school. And I also have my own podcast. So, um, my podcast kind of streams from all different types of, uh, how would you say genres to where it's sport performance, um, it's entrepreneurship. And then overall I have players on like just straight up baseball players. So, um, it ranges from a wide aspect of how you would say just um, just overall people. So, and the reason I called it Bach Talk and like I didn't do like baseball or um, like Bach baseball or anything like that is just because I wanted to give myself an overall reference and to go into different fields. I mean, I really I just put out stuff that I really enjoy. Like right now, I I just really enjoy overall sports sports performance, uh, baseball, and then trying to get dabble a little bit more into overall entrepreneurship. Just with um, just with the overall job I have right now. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's been about four years with the podcast. So um, I I can honestly say I started it before everybody started doing podcasts. Um, <laughs> right around right around COVID, like it was. I think Rogan honestly set a stat and it was absurd how many podcasts there are nowadays. And, um, which yeah. is kind of funny to where I had, a, I just did a podcast, um, just overall with myself, like explaining what it takes to have a podcast and the overall behind the scenes. And, um, honestly, just how to get people to listen to it because I've had friends to where they're like, Hey man, let's just like, when I was first starting it, he was like, let's just go on and talk about sports and everything. I'm like, bro, nobody's going to listen to us. <laughs> like we're not, we're not super interesting. We got to put out something um, that's honestly meaningful and more uh, specific to who we are. So, um, and have a, your own personality mix on it. So um, that's my overall podcast background. And then currently I am the director of analytics and video at Moore high school. Uh, Moeller's number one baseball school in Ohio, no doubt. I mean, we, just did the rankings came out and I think there's overall 30 votes and we got 29 of them in first place. So, I nice. mean, I mean, like, I'm just gonna be honest. We are the best of best in Ohio. We got guys sitting 92, sitting 88 all the time. I mean, it's, it's high school and it's, it's like, they're just blowing by kids. Like it's nothing. Got it's some absolute it's, dudes on that team, huh? Yeah. There's some, there's some dudes, but like the, the crazy part about it is like, we're not, we don't have like SEC guys at all. Hmm. It's just honestly a lot of, um, like Big Ten guys, um, a lot of a lot of Ohio State guys, Wright State, uh, UC, and then our biggest commits Louisville. Um, but that's really it. Like we're not like our pitchers aren't going SEC schools, but overall our depth is just insane. Um, and it's it's been a ton of fun, and the guys are guys are really nice. Um, so it's it I kind of have a fun role to where I work with overall development with guys when I'm there. Um, but I do the analytics outside. So I do all the grunt work outside of, gotcha. um, the actual game. So like when it's game time, I don't really have to chart or anything. I have, um, three students, which, uh, is those dudes are the best. They're really good at their job. They pay attention to detail and, uh, I can't thank them enough for what they do for the overall program, because I mean, it wouldn't be possible to do any of this without, um, the assistance and everything. So, yeah, but going, but, but going forward with overall, um, more like, uh, the head coach's name is Tim Held. who's actually on ahead of the curve podcast. And, um, he just laid out pretty much like why Moeller is, um, why we're very good and why we're very diligent in what we do. Um, so they've, it's, if you go into the overall complex, um, like we have a brand new complex, all turf field. It's super, super nice. But then our, how we would say like our overall barn that's like right next to the school, um, 
it's nothing crazy, but everything's just like put to a certain point to where it works. Um, like we've dad, like it just, you can tell that it's been there for a while and they just keep upgrading it over and over and over again. There's, and they put in new spaces for technology. Um, and you know, overall the coaching staff has just done a great job. And, um, the number one thing that I really enjoy about more, uh, again, is the overall coaches are just, um, they're not for themselves. They're for the players. And yeah. I went to a high school to where we were not like best, one of the best ones in Kentucky. And it was all about our coach. Like he probably had like over, I don't even know, like 600 wins, some crazy like that. He's been there for 40 years, but it was all about him. And with these guys, it's, it's all about the players. Um, and it's more of a collective family and that's how it should be. So, yeah, that's great. um, so yeah, more has been, more has been a fun time. Um, I'm very lucky that I'm able to be in that overall organization, um, because like, that's where Ken Gary Jr. Went. That's where Barry Larkin went. Um, that's where Dave, the bells are from. I mean, it's got so much history and just be able to be a part of it is, uh, is awesome. So that's my, uh, that's my kind of like not really short background, um, in my overall podcasting and what I'm doing currently. So, um, but yeah, right now it's, uh, it's going really good. We'll just see how the overall rest of the season goes and, uh, you know, excited. Absolutely. Well, best of luck to you guys. And I guess before we switch gears, I'm kind of curious. So you have the analytics there. Do you guys have like a track man or like what, what do you guys use for all that? So, so that's, that's, so that's really interesting because if you go to high schools and it's, it's really missed at the overall high school level, um, it's overall utilization of analytics. So, um, we aren't, we don't have a track man, um, like at actually at the facility at the field. Um, because honestly, that's just too much money and like, you can't travel with it. So the big thing that's going on in high school is there's not great technologies out there to track all this. So, um, we're actually using, um, we upload everything to huddle and nobody would ever thought to use baseball for huddle. Um, easiest thing in the world. It's been awesome. Um, it's a grind to edit, but guys love it. And that's all that really matters. Um, but we use this one app called inside edge and it just spits out, um, any different type of information you really need. Um, and we give guys biweekly reports about what they're doing. Um, it's really cool. It lays it out in an overall scheme of how would you say, like, it's, it's an overall report card at first, and then you can go and it really shows the overall pitch utilization. Um, just honestly, anything you can really think of, uh, the overall, it, go, it goes into about six separate sections. And then um, by the time I'm done with an overall report, it's about four to five pages for a guy. So um, a that's been awesome to digest though, you know, exactly. So we're, we're, we like overall talked with them and um, we were like, what do you guys want? Like, we have so much stuff. Like, what do you guys overall want? And they really just want the utilization, the overall report card, hard hit percentage, and just their, just the statistics that they're doing. Like what's their FIP, what's their whip, um, what's their BABIP. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're very in tune of what statistics are being used and they're very in tune to what is going on with their overall, um, overall pitching analysis. So, um, we do a very good job in game and, um, at the facility, we obviously have hit tracks. Uh, we use blast, we use reps, like we use everything that everybody uses. So, um, but overall, um, there's a couple of things like I could do better for overall player development wise in technology. I think, um, we use hit tracks really well, but I think there's an overall like ideology that we can use better for blast. Um, uh, it's just blast is very hard, but if I had to pick two, I would hit, I would pick hit tracks. Like, um, like we're trying to not like, we have to remember these are high school guys. These aren't pro guys. Like, yeah, there are a lot of pro guys coming from this overall school, but um, we just want to start them overall and have a ground base level of what all these analytics really are. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think from my short experience of working with Blast uh, out at the Florida Baseball Ranch, what it was called at the time now, it's called the Florida Baseball Armory. They were really big on attack angle with mm-hmm. the with the Blast. Um, do you feel like that's a, one of the, I guess, metrics that, or something that you guys kind of hone in on with the blast. Yeah, we try to use that the most. Um, I think the most overused, um, how would you even say just overall statistic that is overused? Overhyped. Yeah, is on plane percentage or just on plane. Because gotcha. we we had a kid who was probably the worst on plane. He was terrible. Like Blast told me that he sucks as a hitter, but he went on and literally led um pretty much GCL, which is the Greater Catholic League in Cincinnati, and he was the player of the year. And wow. 
Blast was telling me that his swing was absolute garbage. So, and like I was talking with uh, the overall head coach, I'm like, how much blast do we really want to use? And what do we want to like overall incorporate with it? So honestly, this off season, we didn't really use it that much. Um, it's kind of hard. to. It's, it's a long process to document it because we're not having a blast for each guy. Like it's just not really in the realm of any um, overall budget. I mean, we could. But, sure. <laughs> but we would rather we would rather we would rather use other technologies and we would rather upgrade it to the overall field than what we're with blast. So, um, I mean, we're looking into other technologies that we would like to use over the next coming years. But um, I think overall with hitting, we need to use something. But hit tracks is the number one thing we use. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest thing with, I guess, using tech, um, just kind of getting on this a little bit more is more of like you know, like the blast sensors, if you only have two or three, then you can only have two or three guys hitting at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, or like, you know, the more fancy stuff like the K motion or the K, you know, the K vest, like you got to have multiple of those for it to actually be efficient and not take too much of the practice time just to, you know, have that in there. Or yeah, do you yeah. use it in more of like a assessment piece and you only use it once or twice a year, but even then like is it even worth buying if you're only going to use it for those? Exactly. I mean, we, we use it mostly for the assessments. Um, like we put it into an overall Excel spreadsheet and that's really all we're doing. And then we show guys like, this is what we, this is what you have. This is the statistics you need to work on. Mm-hmm. And then overall, like with our video, we can help break it down and be like, this is what you're specifically doing with your tech angle on point efficiency and all that. So, yeah. um, but overall, like, like I said, we really haven't used blast that much this year. Like it just, um, we tried it last year and it just, it didn't, it was a lot of extra work that we could have done. So right now we honestly picked doing bi-weekly reports rather than doing blast because there's time outside that you have to use. It's like, what are you going to use? Uh, what are you going to use it most with? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah no, no doubt. No doubt. Well, for those that don't know you, let's uh, kind of expound upon a little bit of your history before here where you had a little bit of pro ball experience. Um, with the Reds, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So fun story. Um, so first off, I played college baseball um, at a small D3 school in Richmond, Indiana, or own college. Um, honestly, they were in the news or they were like all blown up on Twitter because they beat a team like, I think it was 40 to two or something crazy like that. And so, but anyways, with that, um, went to Rome College, it was a great time. Um, but so how I got involved with the Reds is, um, I'm good friends with uh, Chris Welsh, who's the announcer for the Cincinnati Reds, um, and I'm good friends with his uh, with his overall son. So it was kind of funny. Um, I saw this post, and it was just honestly for like minor league video and uh, technology. And I sent a message and was like, "Hey, I would be really interested in this." And I didn't even know how it all works with winter meetings and all that. So message him, and I was like, "Hey, do you?" Um, do you have, like, can you get me in touch with anybody? And he's like, yeah, hundred percent. So funny thing, uh, going back to his son, I would catch his bullpens in high school. Um, so honestly, that's how we became good friends. And honestly, he repaid me. He literally was like, well, you caught so many bullpens, so I can just help you with this aspect. So, um, that came back to, uh, help me a ton. So got me an interview. Uh, it was probably the worst interview I've ever had, but they (laughs) needed a guy for, um, the Greenville Reds in Tennessee, and it was their brand new rookie ball team. So he's like, Hey, uh, I actually was in, um, I think it was two weeks before the actual season. He's like, Hey, do you want this job? And I was like, yeah, let's go do it. So got a, got a hotel and then figured out where I was going to stay, um, and went down there and it was, a, it was a ton of fun. Um, I got to be with, uh, players like Josiah Gray, Jonathan India, um, Ryan Richardson, uh, Alexis, uh, Diaz, who's with the Reds now. Um, so I got to like meet all these like big name guys. And it's really weird now looking back, like, like we were in the stands, we were charting and uh, Shane Baez is back there and he's just the one of the like, nicest dudes I've ever met. And it was very weird because I know like his overall background, right. big stud comes from a very, honestly, very wealthy family. And he could be the biggest, he could have been the biggest, like just ass he could, but he was really nice and he would help anybody and everything with a, um, like their overall video guy and everything. He asked if he's like, Hey man, do you want some food? I'll pay for it. I was like, wow, that's uh that's crazy. But overall with the reds, um, I did video. So you collect all the video, but then, um, got more in tune to overall player development aspect. I was like, Hey, can, can I help with other stuff? So, um, honestly help with pregame a lot. I was really the rehab throwing guy. 
Um, and then with Josiah Gray, it was kind of fun. He would uh, just tell me before games, he's like, hey, can you watch my outing and see how what you're thinking? And I was like, mm-hmm. this is second round draft pick talking to a video guy, honestly, at the end of the day, technology <laughs> guy. So and gave him good feedback. And he just kept overall asking about it. And, um, you know, he would come back and chart with me and everything. And we just became good friends. So um, that was a ton of fun. And just meeting these overall guys. I mean, um, overall, my experience with the Cincinnati Reds, like it was a grind. Um, I really got to experience the grind of a professional baseball season. It was only short season, too. So um, that was a, that was a ton of fun. Got to meet a bunch of great guys, really learn about um, like what overall pro ball is. That was where I learned, um, you know, what 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 is it? So um in the uh next year, um I went to winter meetings, got to experience that whole fiasco. Um <laughs> that that's that stuff is crazy. Like it was fun, but I don't I don't miss going to winter meetings, honestly. It was just it's too much. It's too much and it's a it's it's a grind. So um but the next year I got a job with the Houston Astros working in technology. Um, working for their double A team out in Corpus Christi, Texas, which was one of the hottest places I've ever been. And it was cool yeah. to like experience Texas. So, um, but that's where I got my overall, like more in depth uh, detail into technology to where I was um, before like TrackMan was even, uh, TrackMan Portable was even really a thing. Like we had one of the first five, got to understand that. Um, and then we used a lot of RepsOda too, but um, I was very like, in the clubhouse a lot. So, um, I talked with the pitching coach and I was like, Hey, can I help you out with all this technology and learn it? And he's like, yeah. So I would be in every bullpen session, be back there, just pretty much operating track or, uh, the Adutronic, the Repsoto and, and all that stuff. So, and then we would just go over it like in the bullpen. So it was me, him, the pitcher, and it was awesome. Like I really got to learn what it's all about. And then, um, being on the field before game, uh, before games and overall just, um, being with the guys, I was able to uh, become friends with the overall strength coach and then the player development. So he's actually the development coach now. He was. Um, so it was Terrence Kennel and Ryan Ingles got to really um, understand like how to get into player development. Cause I was very, I'm very interested in overall what it like, what it was, but I was like, how do you guys get into this? And, and they're like, you have to get a CSCS. 100% you have to get a CSCS. And I was like, well, kind of explain it to me. Um, how the overall process works and is it very attainable? And they're like, oh yeah, you'll be, you'll be good. You'll be good. Just, you need to study. Um, and they're like, obviously you graduated from school, so you're good. Um, but, but yeah, I got to really understand what player development really was with the Houston Astros. And we were so far ahead of everybody. Um, I think this was in two, this was in 2019 and we, um, it was just, uh, it was a very eye opening experience to say none the least. I mean, um, we had, we had a couple funny two funny incidences. Um, and this is where like before spider tag became a big thing, mm-hmm. like we were using all that before anybody ever did. Um, like we kind of have a, I have this one funny experience. Um, our overall, my boss told me, he's like, Hey, go take a picture of center field. I was like, all right. And he's like, well, we're going to put an edutronic in center field. And I was like, but it's a like real time camera. So, so I didn't know what overall they were going to be doing or how long that's been really going on, but that was probably the most awkward experience I've ever had in my life is taking a picture. Cause I sent it to one of my buddies who, uh, one of the guys who's working, he's like, I'm like, why are we taking pictures of center field? He's like, dude, I don't know. <laughs> so fun story. That's my, that's my fun story with the Houston Astros, but, cool. um, but go, going back to overall player development, they were just so far ahead of everybody. And when we had, um, pro guys come in or, uh, big league guys. I mean, uh, it was, it was cool because the overall big league staff would come in. Um, some of the PTs would come in and I would just get to talk to them and just kind of see what they, um, were really overall doing with the athlete. Cause they were very open about it. Like you worked with that, like you were with the Astros and they want to talk to people. Like that was the whole goal. They want to see how the overall organization's working, mm-hmm. how people are feeling. So, um, you know, I was very lucky in that aspect, but, Houston Astros was really where everything was super eye-opening um, and how pro ball um, worked at even a higher level to where guys are going around everywhere. Who's getting pulled up? What happens when a guy goes from double A to big leagues to back down the double A? Um, and then you have an overall prospect going from double A to big leagues. Um, that's cool. And then the overall just celebrations of guys getting to the big leagues. Um, it was awesome. I think uh, another funny story was Brian Abreu 
Um, I'm pretty sure he's with, pretty sure he's still with Houston, but he was a prospect at the time and he got called up for like two games, something crazy, just because he was on the 40 man. Um, Goes up for two games, comes back down, and he's just dripped in everything new. New glove, um, new jewelry, new cleats, new everything. Um, and I was just like, hey, so uh, you got that uh, You got that uh, big league money? He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So in that, that's that, it was really cool to really see just how the overall business works and how much of a grind it is to be a minor leaguer. Like, my hat's off to all those guys um, and the guys who stick around for more than, like, five to, like, more than – I would say like six years and just grinding through that. I mean, a guy with the res right now, Chucky Robinson, he's a catcher. He's in double A still. I'm like, dude, I'm like, you're, you're a grinder for everything you do. Um, So, but yeah, the Astros was a, uh, it was an awesome experience. Awesome experience still um, helped me with uh, honestly, just many different people using the podcast to meet different people with the Astros. So, uh, but yeah, that's my, uh, it's my overall uh, synopsis of uh, pro ball. The pro ball experience. And then, yeah, you touched on it uh, just a little bit about, you know, getting the motivation to be like, hey, you need to go get a CSCS, which for those of you who don't know, certified strength and conditioning specialist certification given out by the NSCA. It's kind of like a gold standard um, certification, right, that you get taking a test over 200 questions. And I personally have taken it twice, (laughs) failed it the first time. And pass it the next time. Um, but yeah, um, what was your experience like studying for that test, getting that, and moving forward into where you're at now? So first off, that was like the number – the CSCS was really where I honestly learned to learn. Like I went through school and everything past school, but like with the CSCS, there's no BS. Like you are sitting there, and it's just you – it's just your brain and the computer. Like that's yeah. that's all. Like there's – there's no BS to the test whatsoever. So it was really an eye-opening experience of how to learn. And I, I tried so many different ways um, of just memorizing, using my phone, um, sequences of like, am I going to study these specific days? How many hours? Um, and like, for me, it was, um, I would take like certain cycles, honestly. Um, so my first time I took the test, failed it, bombed it, was so bad. Like I really was, I was like, this, this is no joke whatsoever. Um, I thought I studied, but I really didn't know the information. I studied it and I like knew the test questions, but I didn't know like why they were certainly the answers at the end of the day. I really didn't, I thought I could do with that. And, you know, I just, I, I really didn't know entirely what I was doing. So took a kind of a harder track. I guess the best way to say that would be like, you knew the knowledge, but you didn't necessarily know the practical application of yes. it. Skip ahead the next 60 seconds if you don't want to find out about a company I co-founded, Ink Sports Performance. So here's the scoop. At Ink Sports Performance, we get it. We were athletes ourselves, former college and professional pitchers. We were also perform- former college coaches as well. Rob and I, we don't do one-size-fits-all programs. We custom craft each training and throwing program and offer that one-on-one coaching support that you need where you're not just a number. We're all about that personal touch. We'll dive into your training videos, whip up some of the program designed to take you to your next level. Nothing cookie-cutter here. So if you, one of your friends, or maybe a player that you know is serious about competing at the next level, hit us up on our website Give us a call, get that set up at inksportsperformance.com. And also, just a heads up, we're also very selective who we take, right? We only take a handful of dedicated athletes, and if you're not putting in the work, we'll have to say goodbye. So let's ink you in to the next level. Yeah, I didn't know the practical uh, overall application, but I just didn't know my sciences enough, to be honest. Really? I So I really didn't take any science in college. Um, and I pretty much just learned it through the CSCS and like just learn it through YouTube. I'll be honest, like mm-hmm. YouTube was my best friend during that time. And I would just dabble with different types of overall um, just how would you even say just overall like sciences and like uh, mm-hmm. what are like the levers, uh, biomechanics, um, overall 
how like physiology yeah, stuff like yeah. that just just yeah. anything I would... like your best friend for those of you who are studying or doing anything for the cscs crash course on youtube gets you all the info all in like like usually their videos are like within 10 minutes or so mm-hmm. it's all yeah. digestible and you, you have graphics and stuff where you put into it so definitely recommend that and also if you're listening feel free to shoot up either one of us, I guess, in a DM or email, and we'll be happy to share some resources that helped us pass that test. But yeah, yeah, yeah no, but it was uh, just overall understanding and really just being, I, I, I like to say being real with yourself. I'm yeah. like, do you, I would literally just study and ask myself, do I really know this or am I just memorizing it? Like, do I really understand what I'm doing? And that was, that was what I did in my second take for my overall CSCS. So I ended up taking it three times, technically four, because um, my, so I went in for my third time and I wrote my, I did like my brain dump and I didn't press like accept for just the overall to get into the test, time me out, wouldn't let me back in and had to go online and literally take it in uh, two weeks later. So Brutal. I like to say three times, but it's, it's really four to be honest. So, um, but yeah, four. <laughs> yeah. And, and like with the overall, like it's going to take you a couple of times, honestly, unless you're really uh, just that in tune with your overall knowledge. Um, but like, I tried to take it and learn it from each separate time. Like the first time took it kind of was lost. And I, I, the next day I wrote down what I thought, like the questions I remembered mm-hmm. Second test literally failed, but I was like, all right, I have all like everything in my head about what the questions were. And I just went and wrote everything. It was like three pages. Just, I did it for about 45 minutes right after the test. And that's what really helped me because I could pinpoint what I didn't know. It was just a checklist at the end of the day. So, um, but yeah, just overall, um, the CSCS just made me really understand how to learn because School helps, like it's it's supposed to make you learn, but everybody learns at a different pace, and that's what school doesn't really um, go for. So, but but yeah, it was uh it was it was a really uh overall good experience. And um, during my second test, so I failed my second test, and then I'm going to take my third one. I did an internship with uh, Pro Four Sports Performance in Cincinnati, and that was that was super eye opening too. Um, really, just got to learn overall, um, pretty much like time under tension, eccentrics, isometrics, um, plyometrics, just really understanding the overall human body, um, and just the movement that it takes. And then the overall process of how to, how to actually train an athlete, like, like it's a full on written out process. It's just like, everything is super planned. We retest. Um, and then just the principles that they use, um, like for, for overall pro, uh, pro force, they were huge in the vertical jumps. That was, that was their bread and butter. They're, they pretty much tell everybody like we will get your vert up. Like it's a hundred percent positive. And I mean, for me, my vert was like 25 when I got in and I ended at like 31 and I was like, Hey, Hey, that's, but it just overall understanding and learning the adaptations was uh, where I learned uh, all that at uh, ProForce. And then, uh, you know, just study again, study, did use that checklist and uh, passed it the uh, fourth time. <laughs> there you go. But, but yeah, it was a, uh, it was, uh, I I'm hundred percent glad I did it. Um, you know, like you said, it's the gold standard and, you know, people kind of hate on the CSCS for some reason. I really don't understand. Um, kind of the way I look at it is if you don't have a facility and if you do not have clientele or a good amount of clientele, like get your CSCS, um, it gives you a little bit of credibility, right? It's just, it's yeah. It's just like you, if you're talking to somebody and you're like, "Hey, you have a CS like CSCS," it just says like, "Hey, you know, you actually understand what I'm talking about or what we're going to talk about strength and conditioning wise." It's just like it's the overall the staple. It's like you have it. You actually know what you're doing, and you're not going to write some ridiculous program ten by tens with no adaptations, no eccentrics, isometrics, no absolutely just nothing just meathead workouts now. Like. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's my, there's uh, a, that's- yeah, there's a lot of intricacies to it. When you think about programming, like when you're in high school, you're like, Oh, I've done this exercise before. I think I could write a workout program for someone, but like, you don't know the macro point of view of it. Right. Especially when you're looking at certain uh, mesocycles and things like that. Um, you know, how that actually all tunes up. It's not just throwing stuff in 
just to throw it in, right? There's, there's an actual rhyme and reason to it. And I actually, after taking the test, I respect my strength coaches more back in the day. Cause I was like, okay, yeah, they actually did have a plan. It wasn't just throwing stuff, you know, up on a marker board and saying, Hey, let's do this. But you could also pinpoint the ones that were just throwing yeah. stuff on the board too. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. I mean, um, just with the overall CSCS, it just, it, it, it gave me a very good baseline, mm-hmm. um, just of overall knowledge. And for me to learn more, I mean, like right now, um, like I've learned over the last year that I was training, um, honestly, my like hip flexors wrong. I wasn't, and I haven't been firing my glutes and like anything I've been doing. So like doing a lot more correctives on glute activation and then going into my overall hip flexors is something that I've, I've learned. And, um, you know, a lot of the exercises aren't super pretty, but like, they're so, so in tune to, um, just overall sports performance. So like for me, I'm a big knees over toes guy. I think it's a very, I think he's, I think a hundred percent he's legit. And it's just a different way of looking at strength and conditioning in my overall mind, like different lens through it. And it's, it's one of those things where you are like, okay, yeah, the said principle, right? Like specific adaptations to impose demands you're expecting your body to perform. But like, if you're not in a perfect, you know, squat form or whatever, then you're like body breaks down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The- like with, like with overall with knees over toes, it's not even um, like I'm increasing overall performance and everything. It's just, mm-hmm. I look at it as he's found a way to increase longevity of an athlete. Yep. Um, that's, and that's all, that's what I'm looking for is I'm trying to pry, I'm trying to make the most and keep my athletes as healthy as possible. So, um, and I just try all these different things. I'm like, if, uh, um, if yeah. I just, yeah, I just, I just try all different types of stuff. Honestly. It's a little so. experiment with it though. Right. Like you're like, all right, Hey, let me try this out first. Let's see how, how it goes. Sometimes it works and helps you out. Sometimes it doesn't. You're like, Hey, I didn't have a great experience with it, but you know, feel free to try this or like, Hey, I had a great experience with this regimen or, you know, getting your vertical up. Like if you already knew how to get yourself up there, it's more of a, mentorship versus a coaching because you're like i already got to this level so like hey come up here with me from what i already did whereas the coaching aspect like for myself i have to coach someone to throw 100 because i never threw 100 um right but like if you had someone that already threw 100 you're kind of mentoring up but sometimes you know it's one of those things where they the the athlete has to discover things for themselves right if you, if you really think about like, you don't ever really teach them how to do it. You're giving them specific environments, specific activities for them to basically learn themselves. Um, right. Cause you can teach them all the drills and, um, you know, tell them how to do all this stuff. But at the end of the day, right. Like when they're in the game, you're not there holding their hand. You're not behind them in the bullpen. Right. They gotta, they gotta take that, that jump and be yeah. on the, on the mound. Cause it can be lonely out there on the, on the bump, man. And you got to learn how to adapt and adjust on your own. Oh yeah. hundred percent. So like kind of going off overall pitching performance and everything. So yeah. um, what's like, what a lot of people don't really know about me is um, I've never pitched a day in my life, but I'm a pitching performance guy. Nice. So what it, what pretty much happened is I'm a, I, would, I was a catcher and yeah. I was that kid or guy pretty much, who I hated hitting, but I did hitting so I could catch and be with pitchers. So I was a very odd one to where I did not enjoy hitting. I enjoyed hitting good, but I didn't enjoy the overall process. Yeah. Right. For yeah. Sure. Like I, like I don't miss, I don't miss hitting at all. Honestly do not like, I tried to hit off a tee the other day just for fun. I'm like this really, I just, I'm done with it. Um, <laughs> it doesn't, it's not as fun as it used to be, but overall pitching is just, it's, it just, interests me so much and the overall relationship is the same between a catcher and pitcher and a coach. So, um, and that's where I bring my overall bread and butter is I'm very good with, um, just having an overall staff and managing the overall staff and managing guys because, um, I mean, pitchers are, uh, they're different athletes. Like they need, they need that encouragement. Like they need the encouragement and they need the understanding of, you know, guys can see through you if, and like they, the ultimate thing is for them to trust you. Um, I feel like that's what I do really well at. And I've always been super, super interested in overall throwing. Like for me, I had to change how I threw when I was a junior in college 
And that was probably one of the worst experiences to where, um, I had no rotation. I was straight linear. It was, it was terrible. Um, so, and then I've just become, I became so obsessive about overall throwing because like for me, um, I became super interested in, uh, like just throwing out guys was my favorite thing. Like that was my bread and butter, um, overall throwing out guys. So I just analyzed catchers all the time, but then I really dabbled into pitchers. So I'm like, they're not going to understand what they're doing. I'm like hundred percent. I'm smarter than a lot of them. So if I could understand what they're doing, I can help them in games and everything. And then that just kind of teared off into overall strength and conditioning and then just really understanding programming um, of throwing and the biomechanics of it and just overall um, the motion of throwing. Like it's just, it interests me so much more because I tell people um, hitting is a reaction and pitching is an action. And I would rather know more and trust more about the action than the reaction. So um, pitching, you can control hitting, you can't and hitting's rough. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I've just, yeah, that's kind of where my overall, um, just pitching side has come into, but, but yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things that, uh, you know, a lot of stuff really doesn't come easy to me at all. Um, I'll be a hundred percent honest, like mostly everything I try, I suck at for the longest time, but just overall pitching development, I just jumped right into it and I learned faster, um, than anything I've ever done. So I'm like, Oh, this is kind of a, interesting uh, aspect that I'm like, why am I understanding and uh, really dabbling into all different types of information to where um, talking with guys in like the big leagues. And I'm like, I'm pretty much talking to you about pitching. And I'm like, you're in the big leagues. I've never pitched, but I'm teaching you and helping you understand your overall motion. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just, am I, I'm, and I mean like that's overall how coaching is going nowadays. So yeah, you we'll don't see. have to, you don't have to be the guy who's throwing a hundred to teach a hundred. No, not at all. I mean, for myself, I was obviously one of those guys who, you know, had to struggle and work really hard to get to where I was to play college ball. So it was like I had to basically learn from scratch. Nothing really came natural. Right. Um, But I think it's it's one of those things where the athletes or the the players especially the pro guys, they're going to ask guys certain opinions if if they trust you. Not every guy's going to ask everyone's opinion. But they're like, hey, maybe this guy has an idea of like what he's talking about. And sometimes the way you describe something will like give them that extra like click or something. Mm -hmm. You may speak in a different type of tone or analogy. And then they're like, oh, okay, that makes total sense. And then it just, you know, helps them make that mind body connection a little bit better. Uh, yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, I kind of like started to realize, um, you know, working with guys, is just like, um, and more like we have a bunch of all, most of our pitchers are D one guys and I'm talking to them about like what they're doing wrong, what they're doing, right. How to fix the specific slider. Um, you know, when they're asking me all these different questions and we're trying to understand in game, like what they're doing. And, um, even the guys who just aren't like, even if they're not playing, like we're just talking about, um, the guy's overall delivery and, you know, what he could work on, like what this kid could work on and what he's doing good. And then we talk about kind of comparing his motion and his motion. And then you realize you're talking to Ohio state commits and, uh, like D one guys who are solid, like they're top, top 10 players in the state. And they're asking you your overall opinion and what do you think about this and respecting your overall opinion? I mean, it's just, it's weird, but it's, uh, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's a cool place to be for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I guess outside of that, what else have you been kind of trying to dive into a little bit more, learn more? So, so um, I think it's out in Arizona. It's called Optimum Power Performance. So I follow them um, Mm -hmm. and I actually am having, so they had an intern there and he has his own place now in like St. Louis. And I was like, I kind of want to like see this overall system. I'm like, you know, why not? He's not super expensive or anything. So I was like, let's learn the overall system that they're doing and, you know, learning about how they are very in tune in the overconjugate system with strength and conditioning aspects. Um, so I've really dived into more of the conjugate system with West, West side barbell. Um, because like I've, I've, I, I didn't really go into it that much in the CSCS or anything. We were more, um, like more adaptations. Um, sure. it, with I it. Think, yeah, I guess to not get off the topic there, I think the CSCS is you get your general foundation down and it's also made for multiple sports, not just one specific sport. 
mm-hmm. or even explode. Like it, it goes from your long distance endurance athletes all the way to the super explosive sprint athletes, right. And everything in between with team sports and all that. So it's like, they're trying to generalize everything as much as possible to fit in that umbrella, which is really difficult to do, but you know, I think they do a good job of it, but yeah, like when it goes to like means of training, I think, like you said, for the conjugate system or for me and like triphasic or anything else that you're trying to dive into those means one, I think you learn by doing right. Like you said, you want to experiment and do that stuff. Um, you know, but the, the means of that, you'll find out like some of the things that were in the textbook don't necessarily apply oh, yeah. in the real yeah. life. Yeah, no, I've just, so I, I feel like it's kind of an overall staple that you have to learn the conjugate system. And I just like, I just never dabbled into it. And yeah, yeah. Um, everybody's really just, it's, it's a, it's super interesting just because they really don't use isometrics at all. And the usage of how they're doing with how they're doing specific exercises with bands. Um, I mean, obviously always huge into bands, but I kind of like how um, their dynamics are like, honestly more heavier weight, but we're still using bands. We're still moving it fast. But the one thing I've really, really liked so far, and it's helped me with my hip flexor is honestly, we're squatting with, we're doing a ton of box squats because my form was terrible. I was a huge, I'm a huge quad dominant guy just because of my overall background and catching. So I've had to like retrain my overall squat, use my posterior muscles, activate the glutes, hamstrings, so for Most me, people's posterior chain sucks anyways. So. Exactly. Like I didn't, I didn't realize it was that bad. It was like, oh, it's like, it's like, man, you were, it was like, I had a, I think I squatted 465, uh, right at the beginning of, uh, like November and like going back, it's like, dude, that you were literally squatting 465 with all quads. And like, I, it was terrible. Cause like none of my pants fit. It was, it was awful. <laughs> so like, and, and it was just, it was like my, your, your overall quads do not need to be that big. And it's like, well, what am I missing? And then kind of dabbling into the overall conjugate system and really understanding. And honestly, even using knees over toes guy and that overall system too, understanding that the main muscles are pretty much your hamstrings, your hip flexors, your glutes, and just overall understand the posterior chain. So, mm-hmm. um, that's one thing I've, I've been trying to work really hard on and, um, understanding more of the posterior chain. Cause like I said, with the CSCS, I just want to be for real with myself. And if I can't explain the overall, um, like posterior chain to myself, then I can't explain it to a kid. Um, so I've realized that I've had a hard time with it and just, you know, looking and experimenting with different stuff. Like for me, my, one of my favorite exercises right now, um, is Nordic hamstring curl, but then it's overall, um, leg curls with two West side barbell red bands, which is lighter tension. And we're just doing about 20 reps as fast as we can. And you look like an idiot doing it, but it's just, you're working on firing and just the overall dynamic movement. Because for me, like, I'm just terrible at dynamic. Like that's, if I could do a dynamic for a year, I would, because my, my like fast twitch muscles, my type two just aren't hundred percent there. So, um, it's just something that I've been working on, um, and really understanding. So, and like rest in peace to Louis Simmons, like overall, um, I just like kind of been listening to overall kind of the, his podcasts and, um, podcasts he'd been, he's been in. And I mean, I really think it's interesting that he's like, yeah, our best squatters in the world don't actually like really squat. <laughs> I'm just like, what do you, what do you mean? He's like, we use all box squats and, um, that's what he was saying on one of the podcasts. And that's just, that's, that's a crazy theory to me. Um, but yeah, yeah well, it's, he, he definitely is, uh, a original thinker, definitely opinionate. He was, he was very opinionated on certain things. Oh yeah. <laughs> very, as, as very know, much. you know, it's part of it, but you know, he, he's definitely pushed the th- strength and conditioning world. Um, you know, in that side of things, as far as his means of training for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then just overall, like understanding how he run, how he ran his gym. Um, and I think it was really cool that he's like, yeah, we, we pay, like, we're not making money on this. We, we just do it because we love it. And he's in the, he's just making his money based on what he's, he was selling. Yeah. And I'm like, that's such an interesting way. Like you're not making a profit on this gym, but you're literally, you're paying for these guys to be there and you just want the best, the best gyms just to literally say that honestly, you do, you one of the smartest strength and conditioning guys out there. So, 
um, just that overall theory of paying for your paying for your own gym and having the best numbers in the world and having the best gym for powerlifting terms is uh, crazy to think of that. That's really just how it became to be um, overall West Side Barbell. I think his he he definitely developed a culture there that you know it's it's unmatched to anyone else at that time, especially whenever he first started up. It was just like, hey, like we're doing all this crazy stuff and it's showing up in the results as soon as they go to their powerlifting meets. And we're like, shoot, all right, well, proof's in the pudding, right? Like if they're getting results, something works, even if it's unconventional or something crazy. And I'm sure as soon as that, you know, West side barbell came out, a lot of people were like, Oh, that's weird. They, they're not doing this type of like methodology or whatever. But then, you know, it, it same thing happened for like whenever driveline first came through or any of the other player development things, like when something's new, um, you know, it, it can kind of get ridiculed a little bit, but for me, whenever I'm coaching or I see stuff on Instagram and people like send me this, you're like, what do you think of this? I was like, I honestly don't know. I don't, I can't knock it until I try it. You know, there's certain yeah. things where I'll look at it and be like, okay, yeah, that like that's super dangerous. You know, like doing some crazy stuff like a BOSU ball and yeah, flying everywhere. Like, yeah, that's uh, you know, you, you gotta be smart with it, but also sometimes the novelty of like the new stuff, some people are just chasing newness to be new when really it's not really new because like a big wave of stuff of the past year was like the extreme isometric holds. Right. It was like, dude, those have been around since the eighties, maybe even longer. <laughs> you think about yoga, like yoga. That's all it is. Yeah. It's like an extreme hold of a certain position. Mm-hmm. Like it's nothing really new. You just tweaked it or renamed it. And it's, it's all pretty much the same stuff, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, the, so like, here's a good question for you. So what's probably one of the weirdest overall methods that you've come across in the last couple of years. So at ProForce, we were big into the wake method and yep. the wake method is just so fucking weird. <laughs> that is a weird one. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've come across several of them. I know like I'd rather not bash a particular group, but functional patterns, if you follow any of them on social media, mm-hmm. they're very, adamant on stuff and a lot of their followers or disciples or whatever you want to call them just straight up attack people out of nowhere and i had to go at one guy on twitter i was like it's like hey dude like this guy actually this coach actually cares about the players like he may not do it the same way you do but he actually has you know his heart's in the right place whether or not you agree with his methods of how he lifts and oh he's having to go through hip surgery so you're gonna you know shoot him down i don't i don't like that type of you know, the way they're, the way they're going about like trying to spread the information is wrong. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I a hundred percent get that. I mean, that's just people who are very, just overall scared of um, just what people are saying and they're like, I'm, I'm right. And they're just scared to be wrong. It's like, like for me, I'm not the, I'm, I'll straight up say like, I'm not the smartest dude. Like I'll throw out stuff and I'll like see a certain aspect or a specific method. And I'm like, you want to explain that to me? Even though in my head, I'm like, this, this shit's stupid. I'm like, let's see what this person overall has to think. And then once they really give their overall synopsis on what they're doing, you kind of put it in your own head and it gets you, it's just overall having another side of thinking and um, just understanding that, you know, people have different ideas and like different ideas are good. They might honestly help you like don't ridicule uh, all these different types of methods. So, but yeah, like going back into your overall previous question is uh, yeah. The conjugate method is uh, it's, 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 old but like people are still really using it and it's uh-huh. it's not going to change to where it's it works and you know i've kind of experienced that whole with it like today i woke up and i can like barely move my legs hurt so bad <laughs> yeah, it'll get you dude yeah. um yeah but it's it's to your point like a while back you mentioned hey i'm not very dynamic so if i could do this for a year i would like it's it's those you know demands that you're putting on your body to move faster and it's going to adapt to move faster. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Another methodology, I guess, to kind of go off and kind of pull this all together with that other question um, is DAC performance and health. I don't know if you follow him on Instagram. I've I've heard, I've heard of it. Yeah. So I did his, um, you know, method of training for an entire year, documented the whole thing. 
I was like, all right, let's see how it helps my shoulder, help me get more external rotation in my arm, uh, which was nice because I had a bunch of stuff in my shoulder going on. I decided not to get surgery because at that time my playing career was basically over. Mm-hmm. So, so I had like one year of my senior year of college left. And I was like, yeah, nobody's going to take like an 87 mile an hour lefty with a decent breaking ball. I think we'll just go into coaching from there, but I digress. The, the, the DAC side of things, you know, it was one of those things where it was a lot of volume, a lot of weirder looking exercises, but I wanted to try it out and see. And like, it was also one of those new kind of waves of training did the extreme isometric holds, things like that. I would do like a calf ISO hold where you're like up on your toes. Mm-hmm. And I did it for 10 minutes. And he was like, yeah, you broke the record on that one. And I was like, Sick. So I have <laughs> monster calves, but everything else is, needs some work. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's but awesome. you know, it, yeah. To your point too, man, like don't be afraid to look at some of the new stuff or at least give it a chance. Right. Like even though it is new, are new to you or they're packaged it different, you know, be open-minded about it, try it. Or, you know, I, I don't want to say like have a skeptical mind, but have it that experience where you're still questioning like, Hey, is this actually working the way they're saying it? Or is, are they just stumbling upon something accidentally where they're like, Hey, we're doing this, but it's actually solving this problem. You know, you don't really know uh, until Till you try it, have your own experience with whatever methodology or even just one like newer exercise. So yeah. another big one. Yeah, no, it's oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. The uh, javelin anatomy where you have yeah. a bunch of guys doing the back bends and stuff, dude, I was doing back bends maybe 15 years ago. Like I was in middle school and there's this guy named Matt Fury, who was an old wrestler. And he had like all these body weight, like workout stuff. And my dad like bought this book and I was like, all right, I'll try this. And like, was legit holding the back bend. Like everyone else is doing it with their arms. I was holding it with my head. Like my feet were on the ground and my neck was holding it. So I was like, yeah, you can help me get this little curve here. But like, I don't know, people are either jumping on the train uh, or the bandwagon with that. And they don't really know exactly why. And you'll see some people like they'll post it and you're like, dude, you're missing a lot of shoulder flexion there. Like, I think that's what you need to focus on. Not try to crank with your lower back more to just try to get more of a back bend because they, they might get better at the spine bend part, but their shoulder flexion hasn't changed. And you're like, hey, yeah. Man. Yeah. So like one program, I'm not going to hate on them because it's good, but it, it really is irritating. And I, I think it's bad personally that it's gone so much publicity if i can say that correctly uh is the overall the program out in arizona have you heard of that with the like program is that that's pasco yeah, yeah pasco did it um but i do not like how it's blown up to where it's like we gotta look at this like i can tell guys are probably trying to do these crazy things and it's mm-hmm. like you gotta like realize these guys are professionals like these guys are pro guys or elite, elite high school guys. Like they have the foundation and all it is, it's just really big dynamics. It's just working on dynamics. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, that's all it really is. But people are doing these, like people are trying to replicate and do certain things in this pro- like program outside of it. But it's like, you don't even have the foundation of overall strength. Um, how are you going to put that overall power output into it when the strength isn't there? So, I mean, I don't, it's just an, I, I, I embrace the oddness of it, but there's a couple of things I'm like, we don't need to be posting everything. Like sure. I, I like, I have not bought into the overall throwing into the ground. I'm sorry. I, I, I really just, I don't like in your eyes, like, how would you explain that? As far as throwing into the ground? Yes. Why, it. why has that become such a huge new trend? If people would say, I think, well, probably just cause it's new and it's different. Yeah. Like, let's be honest. Or like some people are, they want to try new stuff. They like have ADD of their training protocols. Like they're always trying new stuff and they never stick to something that is actually going to get them the results. Uh, but to, to that point on the ground throws, I think they're trying to just think of like gravity as like helping pull an assist and like, yeah, when some of them throw into the ground, like their arm spirals out a little bit better. It was like, mm-hmm. last time I checked, you don't throw it into the ground though. 
right? It's like the environmental factor is going to be different, but like if you're doing it for like just a feel aspect of like, Hey, I'm trying to feel this. And then like, I tried it. I'll be honest. I'd started throwing into the ground because I had trouble like throwing uphill like this. So I was like, all right, I'm going to spike it in the ground and then slowly try to like work my way up to like a 60 feet, six inch target on a mound, right? Specific to the environment that you're going to be on in a game. Didn't really help much, you know, but it was like, Hey, like, let's try it see if it's actually worth something. But it, there's a lot of other, like the tensegrity of your body and how you're like trying to throw into the ground. And who knows, it might help some guys, just because it's different and helps them gain a little bit more spatial awareness and body awareness of what they're doing and exploring that. That's probably where the benefit of that is from, but not from like the specific movement pattern of throwing into the ground. If that makes yeah, sense. I just, yeah, I just like, I I've tried to like look around and like ask people about what is it. And people just don't know. Like <laughs> I've literally asked so many people and nobody's really given me a great answer. Yeah. It's like, well, what's the huge difference between that and a lasso at the end of the day? What's the huge difference like to where that's Just kind of a staple where you're throwing same with yeah. long toss, like long tosses up here, you're going to throw up. And a lot of guys do develop those uphill patterns from long tossing more often than not, not mm-hmm. saying that you shouldn't long toss, but like, if you don't know how to adapt and bring those shoulders back downhill, like I've started capping guys on long toss. So I'm like, Hey, if you're getting out to three 30 and you're still doing this, Let's stick to 200 and yeah. just put it more on a line once you feel more warmed up. Yeah. That way your shoulders are a little bit more, you know, line. like, again, that's, that's just the part of that activity, constraining them to get the certain, you know, solution that you want. I don't want to say movement patterns anymore because movement patterns in my brain and especially move like movement patterns, drills, certain things give people this certain like framework where it has to look exactly like this i think that's bullshit honestly i think you need to allow the athlete to have an activity to explore and figure out how their body is supposed to move because you might think yeah there's certain principles that you need to have like don't throw like like this right or like try to throw it like a um like a cricket bar like that's probably not the best way to throw hard but you know if we looked at chris sale or brandy johnson or any like super wiry or abnormal delivery do we really think like if we would have caught that kid early on and we were developing him that that's actually wrong but then we don't know like us making a change just prevented him from developing and being a later bloomer and becoming a big leaguer like we don't really know that yeah yeah but no i i just i like the overall answer like i'm not hating on that exercise it's i'm hating the overall intent of it to where like everybody has to do it it's like well that's that's the biggest premise with really any tool is like hey what's the goal why are you using okay for for example let's even get off of that drill entirely let's go with pivot picks right we talked about this on the last podcast right on your, on your uh, platform was like, all right, what's your goal of the pivot pick? Oh, I just really want to feel a pec stretch. All right, cool. You could get that same thing with another drill, 10 toes maybe. But if like, if you like it and it makes you feel better at the end of the day, cool, dude, keep doing it. Let's make sure we spend more time doing other stuff that's actually going to help you yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. yeah, don't don't spend too much time on this on the little things that don't give you the best return on your training time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the overall, like going off um, kind of what you said with like the javelin and stuff, I think it's, I think it's interesting that everybody's going into javelin, like yeah. understanding it. I think it's, yeah. I yeah. think that's very good. I mean, um, I've seen I'm not a, pretty much I'm not opposed to it at all. Right. Like it's awesome that people are looking outside of the sport of baseball to help their, you know, throwing in that specific skill. Because to be honest, a lot of stuff that I've learned was completely outside of baseball that, you know, strengthening and conditioning world movement, you know, um, you got stuff where you know, you have like Edo Portal is like really weird stuff out there, but then like still can apply this overall moving better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, for sure. I mean, it's, Javelin's becoming huge. I, I like, I like where guys um, are 
honestly having trouble with like the overall peck stretch. I like the javelin throw to where it's just straight back. Like that's kind of a game changer, to be honest, if guys are really not understanding and feeling the overall peck, it was just like, I, I heard about it and I was like, that's, that's honestly kind of a legit like drill. If you really think about it, I just would never have thought to use any type of it. So, um, like I said, I'm always, always down and always looking for just why people are doing it. It's like, if you're doing it, um, and people are asking about it and you're not giving an answer, I just don't, you probably don't even know why. Yeah, you're yeah. Doing it. No. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm totally with you on that. Like I'm up for trying it out and being like, Hey, like there are some practical applications here. Um, where I think some of the pendulum was swinging too much is like guys are doing too much of javelin type movements and it's not as specific or as many slices of what it would be like when you're on the mound or mm-hmm. throwing a baseball. Right. So for example, let's say a guy does the majority of his plyo throws are the javelin arm extended out and they're trying to feel that peck stretch. Maybe for like the first couple of weeks or two, you might get a good positive adaptation from that. But if he keeps doing that, then there's also that, you know, you can refer to the law of diminishing returns. And all of a sudden now he's throwing through his delivery and his arms out here way outside <laughs> 90, right? No, like that's just part of like drill corruption. And that's with any yeah. activity or drill. If you do it to the degree where it, it can harm you, you know, you got to know when to kind of get off of that a little bit more, or, or at least take, let that take a backseat, do less volume, whatever it is. Um, and that's where kind of the coaching aspect can kind of uh, us coaches can come in and be like, Hey, you are probably good on that. Or like, you know, even for example, the whole backbend exercise, I had an athlete who was an extension King, right? Mikey Jensen, if you're listening to this, he could literally bend his back. Like it was gross. And I'm like, so why are we wasting time doing this exercise if you're already good at it? Yeah. Let's spend some more time on actually maybe, I don't know, getting some spinal flexion in, right? Because if you're already good at extending, oh, but you you can't get into flexion like once you actually release, you're like you're still releasing the ball like that and your back's still hyperextended, ribs are flared out. Like you got to learn how to move the other way too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's where everything and and, dude that could even be exercising right like overtraining or there are like this might sound like a little bit of an extreme but like if you eat too healthy Mm -hmm. or you know you get too much um like healthy fats things like that and then all of a sudden you eat something that's bad for you and your body doesn't know how to respond to it um that that's kind of like a totally different topic though yeah yeah, that's a that's an interesting topic because I mean it's hundred percent the truth. Like that, yeah, yes. Yeah. I mean, you gotta expose yourself to to newer things. And that's why I'm like slowly getting away from this, like, hey, that everything has to be like perfect movements. When in reality, like perfect structured movement, whether it's throwing or lifting or whatever. And yeah, like it's like don't like do things where you're gonna put yourself in a disadvantageous position and hurt yourself. Uh, but it's more of like a loose, like, Hey, your up might look like this, but like, yeah, definitely don't have guys pushing up with their, with their elbows, like up by their ears. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's defeating the purpose, but they, everybody's humorous length forearm links going to be different. And especially for what I've experienced working with guys who are like six foot three plus upwards to six foot six, six foot seven, they may not be able to get their chest all the way to the ground because of how long their arms are, mm-hmm. then they just go into that, you know, dump of their scap going into that anterior tilt and just cranking on that, uh, on that capsule in their shoulder. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hinge pattern, same way. Like most of those guys that are really tall are probably going to do trap bar. Cause if you give them too far to the ground, they're putting their back in a bad position. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really more of like, how can you apply and take all these tools that you learned and help this guy adding the tools to the athlete, not trying to make the athlete fit the tool or fit the exercise or fit the throwing protocol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes, yeah, that makes hundred percent sense. Yeah. We're just trying to, trying to do something for a reason. Just don't do it to do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're spot terms. on there, man. You're spot on. 
Cool. Well, Ian, where can everybody find you at on the podcast? And obviously uh, we talked about the, being a director of analytic analytics, but um, yeah, what, where, where are some places they can find you? So, yeah, so on, I'm on Instagram and Twitter, um, Instagram, I've just had my own personal, um, it's just Ian underscore Bach. And then for my overall Bach talk, um, it's just Bach talk underscore. So with Instagram, I have the underscores. Um, and then with Twitter, it's, uh, just Bach talk one. Um, and then if anybody wants to follow big Mo analytics, um, it's literally just called big Mo analytics. <laughs> um, and that's only on Twitter, but, uh, to check out my podcast, it's on Apple. It's on Spotify. Literally, just uh, it's just Bach Talk and uh, um, just that overall word. So, um, fun thing that I was talking about um, with podcasts yeah. um, on my last one was, um, I think people, if they have the time, they have the money, and they have the effort, is like get your overall name uh, copyrighted or yeah, overall copyrighted. So I got mine copyrighted last year. I mean, it's just cool. Like you just, it's your overall name. Like nobody can, nobody can get to it. So, um, and you have your own little project. So, um, yeah, I, uh, overall Bach talk, uh, you find anywhere, just type it into Google and you'll find it. That's cool. Very cool. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on guys. If you have the time, please check out his podcast or if you got some time, if you're on Spotify or Apple music or whatever platform you're listening to, as soon as this episode's over, head on over to his give it a listen and now stay in the zone.